Hey, good morning, Howard Garrett. Good morning. How's everyone? I think everybody is thankful that we don't live in the Northeast this week. Yeah, they've had some rough weather. Ours is just kind of uh, irritating sometimes. We, I still have some <laughs> tropical stuff outside, the, you know, real close to the house. They've yeah. gotten a little nip just a tiny bit. Looks like we got some 20-degree weather coming, so we'll probably finally move everything in. That's what they're saying this week, but, you know, it's I don't know about your weather, guys, but they change it every few hours down here. It was down at 26 at one point, then it was up to 31. Now I think they're back down to showing potentially about 28 or so. But, yeah, I think this is a week that it'll be wise to either throw a little row cover over them or, or bring them inside if you've got the room. We're, we're, every day we're getting closer to spring. I, I We just kind of... Everybody gets the bug down here, at least. Everybody's ready for it to be spring, but uh, thank goodness we still have so many things we can plant. I mean, the pansies, my gosh, we've had incredible varieties. Uh, Johnny Jump Ups, I think we must have maybe 15 varieties of those things. And uh, people want to plant, can still find plenty of stuff to do it, but we're not through with winter yet. No, the winter, the cool season color is really fun. The uh, my hellebores are looking really good. I've got some perennial dianthus. Uh, went to buy some annuals in the place the wholesale grower I went to had sold out, so I just got the perennial ones. And they have such pretty foliage as well as oh, flowers. Yeah. So there's there's a lot you can do. My kale, my I've got some purple kale that's just beautiful. It's really really enjoying the kind of weather we're having. And the cooler it gets, the more colorful it gets. Yeah, yeah. One thing I wanted to bring up, uh, make sure we didn't uh, run out of time for you. I heard you talking about papayas. Um, I, I'll give you a little uh, extra on the on the papayas. Papaya Good. is the one plant that, without question, has the ability to change sex. Oh, really? Now, yeah, I did not know uh, that. This is the one that I usually I refer to a lot of times when I'm talking about the uh uh, the ginkgo, but papaya is uh, is notorious. I mean, it's just no big deal. That you can actually force it to happen. And I, I was doing a little research on it because I was thinking, you know, I'll double check, make sure I'm right on this. And sure enough, the research goes back to uh, a long time ago. People discovered that you can prune a male. Uh, severely and force it it'll just change to a female and and you can also do it with um cold with weather change there's several different things you can do and sometimes it'll just do it on its own well that's very good I don't know to how know. many plants are in that category but probably probably a lot more than we realize yeah yeah well, I, I had a research project to do. I had no idea that you could do that. Of course, you still got to wait for them to grow up and flower to, to see if you've got male or female, if you've got that Mexican papaya. But that's, uh, that's me. I've, I've just learned something, and we're just two minutes into our discussion today. I'll tell you, the other thing about papaya is I don't like the taste of it. No, nobody in our family does. You know, a lot of people think it's great. It's terrific <laughs> to grow it, but... It's just not a, a flavor that I'm fond of at all. You know, between it and mango, there was night and day to me. Well, then mango, I can understand that somewhat. But I'll tell you what I think about papaya is uh, 
<laughs> lime juice sure does make it good. Oh yeah, <laughs> it's that helps a lot. Just straight papaya, but and and it's another one of those that uh, you know they're kind of like persimmons. If you don't get one that's fully ripened, you'll think, man, why does anybody eat that stuff? But uh, having set in a beautiful garden uh, on the island of Oahu, or maybe it was Maui, and eating papayas literally fresh off the tree, that's a whole different experience than buying them in the grocery stores. Yeah, that's pretty much the case with any fruit, any food, I guess, uh, no, but, no with, doubt about it. The uh, Meyer lemon would probably be pretty good on papaya, too. Oh, I right? bet that it would. One over on the counter, I might give that a whirl. <laughs> sounds like a, it sounds like a, a, a good breakfast choice to me. And uh, one question I wanted to ask you before be sure we got in was uh, at a discussion early this morning with a caller that was, talking about bees and they used to have somebody that would uh do the removal and relocation and um they've lost that person but we're talking about occasionally you know when the bees are getting into a place you don't want them honeybees we're talking about and i was saying that do your best to repel them rather than uh kill them out and other than garlic what do you know of anything that really makes a good bee repellent anything you use to encourage the honeybees to go elsewhere no, we've had uh, luck running the wasps away from bird feeders mm-hmm. with the citrus with orange oil. That okay. might be worth trying, I guess. Uh, I've also gotten reports from people that they smeared spinosad on uh, the uh, on bird feeders and kept the wasps away. That's what I've had questions about more than bees, I uh-huh. guess, but... The same thing may work with the uh, with the bees. Well, that would be an interesting thing to try. This was one of my callers from uh, down toward the border, I believe, Laredo area, if I remember properly. And uh, they've got you know such a much higher percentage of the uh, the honeybees are Africanized down there. And uh, I, you know, Africanized bees don't bother me. And that in the garden, you would not know them from a regular European honeybee, but. If you're dealing with a colony of them, you you don't want to be dealing with the Africanized Very bees. Very aggressive, that's right. Yeah, super yeah. aggressive, and so well, that's good. I, I hope he's still listening, and uh, perhaps you know uh, they're trying to get into his house, and perhaps spraying some spinosad or or like you say, just kind of in effect dabbing it around wherever. Yeah, I think that'd entry be points. better. I think spraying it might might even injure their navigation or something. But sure. if you just have it on the surface so that. You know they know it's there and stay away from it. That, that you know that's a, a good organic technique. It seems to me that seems like a great idea to me. One other thing I'll pass along to you, and I haven't I haven't checked it out yet. I haven't had a long enough break to do so. But we were talking about how nice it would be to know for those people who are growing, especially peaches and apples and things like that, how many chilling hours we have had in a given year. And had a caller told me that there is a website which is get chilled dot net and you can put in a zip code and apparently over a very wide area they'll give you a real-time look at how many chilling hours you've had up to that given point you can put your temperature parameters in there and they'll tell you how much weather we've had in that range and uh, i can't wait to check get chilled or not i can't wait to check that out because yeah, I don't know that. Uh, yeah. Well, what else is going on in your world uh, these days uh, chris told me that tater's in good voice this morning yeah, in fact, he's in there barking at somebody walking down the street. I'm sure it's a very dangerous uh, poodle or something, you know. <laughs> <laughs> 
One thing I wanted to bring up today that I'm working on that I, I uh, will throw out, and maybe I can get some help out of out of you guys on it. I'm updating the uh, organic fruit and pecan tree program mm. uh, that's on birddoctor.com. Okay. And it's been a while. A lot of times those things, you know, it, it, it kind of slips by you how long it's been since you looked at something <laughs> you wrote. Uh, and without question, I need to uh, update. I've already started doing it and um, update the photographs and everything. So uh, you and uh, whatever listeners uh, have the time to do it, take a look at that. It's in under guides on DirtDoctor.com. That's yeah. where all the basic stuff is and my formulas that I recommend and all that. And if you've got any uh, recommendations, I just want to make it more thorough. Um, it's kind of kind of uh general and, and outlining right now. It just needs to go into more detail. And everybody take a look, and if you've got any suggestions, let us know. And they can just send those to info at dirtdoctor.com be the yeah, best way be to let you know. Yeah, that'd be the easiest way. That'd be great. Yeah, yeah. give us a call, whatever. Well, I will I will do it myself, and you probably, on a given this time of day, you probably just told about 60,000 people down in this area. <laughs> so hopefully we'll have great some... to get the help. Yeah, so we'll have some people that can help out with that because it is, you know, it is it is an ongoing subject of continuing interest, so to speak. Uh, we, we, we stopped carrying uh, peaches and plums and things like that as the yards have gotten smaller. We don't have that much call for it, but at the same time, those crops were going down. Everybody seems to be wanting to grow more and more citrus now. And of course, you get out in the rural areas; people are planting bigger orchards than they ever have. But uh, there's there is a lot of ongoing interest, so to speak, and uh, be interesting to see with some of the technology they've got with some of these new dwarfing rootstocks. If we can get uh, some additional dooryard sized trees that uh, people will have, you know, have room for even in a small yard now. Yeah, that's that's great. I ran into something else I wanted to bring up to you that was uh, pretty pretty cool. We uh, had our meeting and presented our first draft of uh, the organic specifications for the city we're uh, working with to convert one of their parks to organics, and uh, it's made me think, uh, you know, rethink a few things too. Because as I was going through the details and talking about what I recommended for this, that, and the other thing. It dawned on me that my uh, recommendations keep keep uh, changing there too because we mm-hmm. keep learning new things here and there, and there's some optional things. And I think that maybe throws some people for a little bit of a loop that you don't tell them this is exactly what you want to do and only this. You know, here here's uh, one way to go, and here's an option that you can go. But and it was also interesting that the people at the city. Uh, didn't know anything about organics at all. We're starting with a, you know, just a just a clean slate. They didn't make any bones about it. They didn't know the products or, you know, the different techniques or anything. But we're open minded. And then on the other hand, one of the guys that's uh, one of the uh, superintendent types that's out in the field, he brought up the fact that he was really uh, glad that we were going to add. Uh, lava sand into the program because you hmm. read some research and i hadn't even seen this yet i'm gonna have to look it up myself that somebody did where using lava sand broadcast on the uh, site and they were specifically uh, dealing with ball fields mm-hmm. 
uh, how much water it had saved, how much uh-huh. they had uh, been able to cut down on the irrigation. And of course, we've seen that same thing, you know, with ranchers putting it out at a ton to two tons per acre, and of course, homeowners buy the thousands and thousands have seen sure. uh, good results of all the things in the organic program that hold moisture at just a, the right level for a longer period of time that's probably even stronger than compost it's pretty fascinating i think it's actually hygroscopic it will actually pull some moisture out of the air and uh oh, yeah you can put a pile of uh, lava sand in your driveway <laughs> yeah at the beginning of the summer and dig down into it in the fall, and it'll be moist uh, still inside and if, without getting any, you know, if you cover it up so it doesn't even get any rain on it or anything, it'll still have moisture inside it. Oh, that's good. I, I will look forward to seeing. Please uh, share with me as you as you put those into a more formal form, because as I've told you, we're going to go through a uh, leadership change down at the San Antonio Botanical Garden, and I and several members of the board, I don't serve on the board down there, I serve on their Buildings and Grounds Committee, but uh, there are a lot of us are hoping that we'll be able to take uh, the gardens much more organic in the future, and I know that would be a very welcome um, thing for everybody down there to have too, so I'll sure look forward to sharing it with them as well. Yeah, this fella and I think maybe some other people too are even taking this step or looking at taking this step of putting lava out without, you know, even knowing the whole organic program or having any intention of going that way because there's such strong evidence there now. It's been there for a long time, but uh, volcanic, you can go back and look at old research and you can run into stuff about volcanic material, you know, doing this, that, and the other thing, and the paramagnetism, which a lot of people cross their eyes about, think it sounds like voodoo or something. It's been talked about for a long time, and not just by Phil Callahan, but by other other scientists and uh, soil people. Well, I think a field trip to Hawaii would be a real great way, too, to see the benefits of lava in the soil. Yeah, no kidding. <laughs> Not to mention Mount St. Helens and, uh, you know, some some other things. But plus, there are just absolutely no negatives to it. I cannot think of a single thing about lava sand. Uh, I guess, you know, you don't want to track it in on your feet and mess up your hardwood floors or something like that. But as far as the environment, it's a win-win-win situation. Lava just does so many good things out there. And it's something, you know, once you've done it, you've done it, and you can, uh, you really can't overdo it. It's, yeah, there are a lot of positives to lava. Now, I've done some experiments where I've grown plants in, in uh, containers that are 100% lava, and they'll mm-hmm. grow They'll grow better if it's mixed with compost and other materials, but you can grow it in it uh, full strength. No, it's good. I'm even in, with some of my art uh, projects, my painting. I'm using the. Uh, <laughs> I'm using a couple things. Using diatomaceous earth and lava sand, uh, you know, to give a grit, give a texture to it, and it works really, really well. Because that's kind of fun. I've done coffee on one piece too. <laughs> it's uh. You know, I, this has been a very busy month for me. I, do you have pictures of some of your work up on DirtDoctor.com? I, I'm really interested in seeing seeing your new art projects. Yeah, the uh, we've got um, a red button at the top of DirtDoctor.com that says uh, something like buy art uh, class or uh, books up at the top. And if you go there, it's got some, and there, there's an actual library entry 
where a, a whole bunch of my art is shown there. And I need to add some more. I've done a whole lot since that. But, yeah, you can look at some of my crazy stuff right there. <laughs> well, I look forward to doing so. One thing I wanted to share with you, we've spent some time on the road uh you know, in January and have a little bit more still to do. But one thing that we found at the Atlanta gift market, and it was kind of interesting because we tend to stay the same places. We tend to run into some of the same people that come to this show or the 50,000 or a hundred thousand or however many show up. And we, uh, one gentleman that has a, uh, like a small department store down in Florida, he was telling us about a new stain remover product. And he said, we just can't keep it on the shelf and it is totally natural. And what it is, uh, and I'll, as soon as we get it in, I'll, I'll see if we get some samples to you, but it is, uh, I don't know that we can call it organic, but it's totally natural. Doesn't involve any enzymes or anything else. It's strictly a surfactant product. And we went to the showroom that he suggested we take a look at this. And they sell it. It's exactly the same, but they sell it as a stain remover, as a red wine stain remover. They put it in two or three different packages. But the guy takes a piece of white cotton cloth, dumps a big glob of iodine on it. And there's nothing that stains like iodine. He puts a few drops of this on and starts rubbing. And in a few seconds, there is no trace of the iodine and he said it will take said if it's a dry stain you need to moisten it first and then add this but it is totally a surfactant of some sort and so i'm thinking until we actually get some and see what's in it and try using it i think it's going to fit into the kind of program that you and i enjoy talking about so yeah, much okay. <laughs> I, I asked him about uh, chlorophyll stains and he didn't know about that and i was talking to a friend up in uh, bernie about it and he said well gosh i wonder if it'll work on uh, uh skunk stains and odor having had a dog that had gotten with a skunk the night before and that brought up the question of pet stains and so we've got we've got a lot more research to do but it's just fun to find something non-toxic and natural that works so well so uh we won't won't talk too much about it until we get it and get some experience with it but expect to have it in the nursery pretty shortly and we'll find a way to get some of it to wow, you and yeah, let you I guys try it out that. they may have all kinds of uh uses that what somebody recommended well it was one of the uh, stores selling paint recommended to me i was asking about how to get acrylic paint off because i'm messy i get it all over everything <laughs> including myself yeah uh, and they were saying that simple green was one of the best uh, tools really and I've, I, I don't think that product is all that clean but mm-hmm. uh, it'd be worth looking into one of the things on the label i was looking at says that it's a um exfoliant not an exfoliant but a uh, descaler or something like that mm. and i don't like that term at all because you know what's also in that category is glyphosate yep. so, yeah yeah <laughs> uh, if anybody knows any details about what's in uh, that uh, product simple I'd, green I'd like to uh, know and i'm gonna be researching it myself too but it does seem to work pretty well on uh, acrylic paint now on oil paint which i have to use from time to time that's a whole different uh, issue you got to go the turpentine route or something like that Mm -hmm. if anybody has any cleaner way to go uh, than that i'd love to get that information too i'm just kind of learning i'm you know stumbling here as i go and learning what i can well you know that's that's the best teacher but sometimes it's it can be an expensive teacher but you sure learn the learn the lessons that you get from it i'm going to be doing some experimenting in the same uh same vein because I've I've told you about uh, using this eco vantage wood 
for my yeah. greenhouse. And I've also, um, you guys have seen my home, you know, my huge balcony that goes around three sides upstairs. Yeah. That wood was beginning to rot, and I actually got the people to produce enough of a tongue and groove uh, basically is one by three wood and i've now completely well in this case i didn't build it myself i had a professional carpenter do this i built my greenhouse but they've totally redone my balcony with uh, this non-rotting wood but the thing that makes it so resistant to rot is that the cellular surface or the the structure of the wood is actually changed in this super kill drying process but in because of that it means you can't use anything water-based you can't use latex paints or stains or anything else because they'll simply beat up on the surface rather than soaking in and so uh, i'm going to be painting the underside with of course the haint blue color but i'm going to be you know using a obviously an oil-based uh primer and paint as well but we were talking about stains and i was asking uh my builder friend that's very much into historic renovation about whether a hundred years ago whether the porches were always painted or if they were ever stained he said well they're pretty much always painted but he said if you've got a wood like that he said wood takes a little while before it will really take up paint well he said if you're willing to do it i would stain it uh, for the first two or three years, and then I would go paint it with whatever is available and appropriate, he said, and it will hold the paint about three times better, having been stained and left uh, that way for a few years. So as that was news to me. Uh, all kind of new stuff here. <laughs> Life is a learning experience, and, man, if, you know, if you go a day without learning something, it's not a very good day, but... Uh, uh, that might be an interesting thing for some of your art, as a matter of fact. You want to create durable, long-lasting projects, and I know you're working in wood and various other media as well as just uh, oil on or latex or, I'm sorry, uh, watercolor on canvas, and uh, you've just you got a lot of talents out there. Well, I'm doing, I'm doing as much on wood uh, products, panels, fiberboard, and things like that as I am on, on canvas, and I'm doing something that may proved to be a mistake i'm not using primer t- too much uh, mm-hmm. at all and i'm i'm also recycling all kinds of stuff i'm finding old frames and old <laughs> canvases to repaint and all that and I, my organic art you know f- name fits pretty well because i'm i'm recycling i'm using a lot of recycled stuff but i may great. i may find at some point some of my paintings falling off the uh uh, the media because I haven't primed it properly. One of the paints that I'm using that's not acrylic is uh, is the uh, aluminum paint, and uh-huh. it, it really has some great technique, uh, great uh, properties, and to show off the color of other things. And then the other one is black. I, I tend to use black oil because it really brings out the uh, color in the other uh, things I'm doing. But anyway, we'll show you all that stuff in more detail at some point. I, d- I am going to have my art, some of my art, with us at Belton. It's the Mother Earth mm-hmm. News uh, Fair that's coming up. It's coming up right away. It's coming up the 16th and 17th of uh, February. Really? Okay. And Doug and I are going to actually have a booth. We we normally don't do this, but we're going to have a booth and uh, talking about Torque and trying to get some donations and use the art as you know some of the uh, gifts for people that uh, join and donate to Torque and mm-hmm. maybe sell some products too if anybody's interested in it. I'm going to have some small stuff 
uh, a series called Forest Breeze. I'll I'll have some of those with me, and we'll probably have some prints. So we'll have a range of really inexpensive prints of my art up to some some of the uh, original stuff. It'll be uh, more, obviously. But that's going to be fun. It'll be the first time we've shown it to, to anybody other than friends that have come over to the art studio. Well, you know, uh, we've got a, a number of listeners and callers up in that area so let's be sure and talk about this over the next couple of weeks i did not realize it was coming up that quickly but yeah, uh, it kind of snuck up on us yeah there. i think we we have lots of listeners down here that will make that drive up to belton it's not that far up i-35 and uh it's a fun event it really yeah. is there's a lot of lot of stuff uh, going on and it ranges from people wanting to do homesteading and live off the grid to people that are doing uh very sophisticated uh, woodwork and carpentry and you know all that stuff and there's you know uh, hippies living off the land <laughs> to real sophisticated uh, right wing conservative ranchers and farmers and everything. I mean you can you can meet anybody on earth there at these events. So yeah. That, uh, it's uh, 16th, 17th of uh, February. And right up in Belton, just up I-35 yep. from us here. For our listeners a little further north, just right down down I-35. Listen, that's a that's a great thing, and I'm very glad to learn about that. I'll uh, take a look and see what see what our schedule is and might be able to run up for an afternoon or something like that. But, uh, That'd be terrific. It sounds like a lot of fun. Well, listen, it's just always such a pleasure to visit, and with spring right around the corner, boy, it's just there more and more different topics i know we will find to talk about and i'm thinking of the disclaimers that are going to have to go on your art now that some aging is natural and some changes should be expected (laughs) that makes it even more organic art that fits that way too if part of it falls off that's just part of the deal (laughs) makes each piece unique Well, listen. Thanks, Bob. It's fun as always, and we'll see you guys next week. (laughs) We sure look forward to it, Howard. And uh, uh, keep spring coming. We're we're getting ready for it. All right. (laughs) We'll talk to you soon. Thanks, Bob. Okay. Bye. Bye. Mr. Howard Garrett is the Dirt Doctor, and his website, dirtdoctor.com, is by far the best on the internet when you're looking for gardening information that really is applicable to our area i mean the internet is a useful tool but it's a dangerous tool because we have so many people that try to go to the just general google and things to get uh information about gardening and for the most part what's out there is not about our area but dirtdoctor.com you're going to find that the information on there is 99 percent applicable here what we do in dallas and what we do in san antonio are very very similar so i hope you'll do as i do and that is make use of that website at dirtdoctor.com all right let's get back to gardening and let's get back to the phone lines and uh Let's see here. We're going to talk to Patty and Mike and Bill and Beverly will be the the folks that we talk to. And first up down in Corpus Christi will be Patty. Good morning, Patty. Good morning, sir. How are you? Long time listener called in a couple times. Well, it's good to hear from you. I'm great. Hope you are, too. Oh, I am, too. I'm calling for a friend who cried to me on the phone. She (laughs) Yeah, she lives in Philadelphia, and they're getting infested what's called uh, Japanese lantern flies. Okay. And she had to, she had to cut down because uh, uh, she didn't know any better, and nobody up there has a show like yours. She had to have a a, a maple that was almost a hundred years old cut down to the ground because these flies 
were killing it. And she has another maple, and they just started working on that one. And I said, well, I think I know the guy at least to ask the question to. <laughs> well, I tell you, I, I am not familiar with that fly, but I know virtually every fly I know of can be controlled with spinosad, which is a totally safe, non-toxic product, and it's the best fly killer I've ever seen. I've not seen a fly that you could not control with spinosad. Sometimes it takes repeated applications. Now, um, I don't know that much about the life cycle of this particular fly, so there may be other things out there. But uh, at the very least, I would suggest they look into uh, you know a spinosad spray, which uh, will control the flies uh, and yet be totally harmless to people, kids, and pets. Yeah, they said it's a very beautiful fly. It's got red wings with black dots on it. It's real mm-hmm. pretty. And uh, it came in on a ship a few years back, but they didn't do anything about it. Yeah. So she said it just infested the area. And well, like I said, she cried. And I said, well, I'll call Bob Webster. <laughs> well, I'll tell you what. I'll try to remember I ask Howard about that because he travels uh, – up to that part of the world periodically but and of course you know anything you can do to increase the overall health of the trees like root flare exposure and things like that will make them more resistant to problems but as far as fly control um tell them to check out spinosad it is a natural product it's a derivative of a soil bacteria and uh is not going to cause any problem uh, environmentally. Now, you wouldn't want to just spray it everywhere because it's harmful to some mm-hmm. beneficials. But, boy, something that I would sure be looking at trying to control uh, any kind of fly. I'd, I'd sure suggest you add, tell them to give spinosad a try, and uh, I will see if I can find out any more about it. That's just that's just a fly I've never heard of, but I think spinosad would be a good, a good start. Well, I thank you so much, and God bless you, Bob. I tell you... Uh, I listen to you all the time. I've gotten great tips and everything from you. I just wish you had a, a store down here so I could go. <laughs> Believe me, once all we can keep up with, Fatty. But come see us when you come to town and keep listening and keep calling. It's always a pleasure to talk to you. I will. And like I said, you all have a great weekend. Thank you. You, you do the same. Thank you. Okay, let's see here. Next up is going to be Mike. Good morning, Mike. Good morning to you, too. Uh, morning, sir. It's getting closer to spring, like you mentioned earlier. <laughs> every minute, every hour, and uh, I think we're all getting ready for spring, too. I'm I'm ready for, for spring weather. Yes, sir. Yes, uh, sir. Uh, I was wondering, why in the world is Interstate 10 so busy today? It's a Saturday morning, and I sit on my patio, and I try to pretend it's the waves on the ocean, but... Uh, and that's what it sounds like. But today it is just so busy. Well, Are they giving away ice cream in San Antonio or something? I <laughs> I sure I haven't heard of it, if so. But I know they've got some of our ongoing construction project out there. The right they're working, I think their grandkids are probably going to be finishing up that project. But uh, oh I know they do have some lane closures. It was it's wide open when I came in, but that was 4 a.m. So, uh, uh, but I know they've been they've had their text dot signs out there talking about uh, full freeway closure uh now through tomorrow evening so i suspect that it's not an unusually large number of uh, vehicles it's just they're backed up and going a lot slower is it westbound and eastbound or is it strictly eastbound 
uh, eastbound is what I'm yeah. thinking. Yeah, they're, that's they're they're moving fast, but uh, I just never heard it uh, this loud on a weekend. <laughs> well, I think it all involves some of the ongoing uh, road work they're doing out there. Well, I'm not going to get into it, but I do have a couple of questions for yes, you. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Uh, you were talking to Howard Garrett about lava sand or green sand. Is it lava green or just green sand? Those are two totally different products. Green sand is an iron supplement that is basically uh, just the accumulation of millions of years of deposits on regular sand. Lava sand is actually a uh, uh, granular lava material uh, it's naturally occurring or in some cases it's man-made they'll take a bigger chunks of it and uh, mill it down to smaller but they're they're two entirely different things green sand is used as a micronutrient source lava sand is used for various purposes principally its water holding capacity in the soil okay so lava is the one he was saying that uh, yep put on your driveway in a whole moisture well they he was just using that as an example we we top dress uh lawns uh, vegetable gardens we can either blend it in the soil or use it on the surface will will help retain moisture in the soil yes sir that's what its principal use is but it there are other good things it does as well would you use that in a garden also i do uh, the lava sand. I do, and I find that the rows where I've incorporated it, and you only have to do it once, but I'm finding that I probably water them 40% less often, and I grow really good plants. So, yes, I'm I'm a fan of it in the garden. Would you put it in your garden or on your uh, uh, carpet grass and uh, just leave it? Or in the garden, would you till it in or just leave it on top? In my garden, it works its way in as I plant. I think you can do either way, but as I was mentioning, the one thing you do not want to do is pick up a bunch of it on your shoes and track it into your house because it is very gritty. Uh would probably be hard on uh, you know tile surfaces or on hardwood, so uh, be sure you wipe your feet. But beyond that, I you use it anywhere you like, and I think you'll see good results. How about the green sand? Where would I use that? You would use that anywhere especially that you are deficient in iron or zinc. Uh, anywhere you see yellowing, that's uh, the principal place that we use green sand on a curative basis. I tend to work a little bit of it in uh, almost every time I'm planting just to head off those problems. But on a curative basis, we normally use it where we're seeing chlorosis problems. Okay, can you use both of them? Uh, Absolutely. There's, there's no interaction between them. Both of them are chemically inert. Okay, well, that takes care of that. Uh, I have a son that uh, was telling me the other day he was going to get some topsoil and put across his uh, lawn. No. Well, that's what I was telling him. I said, why don't you call in and talk to Bob Webster? Well, he hadn't done it yet, but when you talk to him, tell him you don't want topsoil. Tell him you just want a good organic compost. Tell him to check out any of the dealers for New Earth. They have a... uh, a certified organic manure compost, and they've got thousands of cubic yards of it, and there are lots of people around this area sell it. New Earth is that the, that a? It's a uh, it's a big material yard. They produce uh, mulches and you know compost and things like that. But tell them to specify their manure based compost. It's the best one by far. Okay, I'm trying to write that manure compost. Yeah. Yeah, certified organic is great stuff. All right, then. One last question for you is uh, we, I've been, of course, putting coffee grounds in my compost pile. Absolutely. 
What about, I've heard that tea leaves are not good for the compost. Is that right? Uh, no, you've heard wrong on that. Tea leaf doesn't have as many different good things in it as coffee grounds do, but tea leaves are fine in the compost pile. Well, all right. I, I don't drink that much tea. I know you do. but <laughs> Now, tea bags go in the compost pile for sure. Mike, I'm going to let you go because i got to get two more people plus one more break in here. All right. Just about seven minutes left in the garden show, but Martin and Jim are both over there in the producer's room. We've got them both in the, got them in studio today. We're just about a uh, little over, uh, well, about 10 minutes away from uh, the home improvement show here on KTSA. So be sure and stay tuned for that. I'll tell you in just a second when I open the phone lines for that show. Right now, we're going to talk to Bill and Beverly, and Bill's up first. Good morning, Bill. Hey, good morning, Bob. Morning, hey, sir. The previous caller answered most of the questions I had, but I would was looking at I have raised beds covering about five feet wide by eighteen feet long. Very good. Out in different paths, and this is all in my vegetable garden. Uh-huh. How much of that lava sign in volume, like quarter inches or whatever, would I incorporate it if I wanted to do all of them? In the next place. You do you all sell it, and where else do they sell it? Most anybody's going to have it. I don't know anyone that has it in bulk. We keep it in forty-pound bags, and I think that's probably what you're going to find at most nurseries. I would for I probably plan on one forty-pound bag for each five by eighteen foot bed. Now you could double or triple that much, and you wouldn't overdo it. But I think a real good starting place would be about uh, 40 pounds for, uh, you know, that's 50, or I'm sorry, that's 90 square feet. I'd say that uh, uh, that would work out, that would work out really well. So I'd, I'd be just planning on uh, one bag per bed. Uh, okay, that, that sounds, I'm going to look for that. The other question is all these beds have drip, 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 drip system yes, sir. for watering. Uh, if it's a very humid day, would I not need to turn on the dripper, or will it suck all the all the water out of the air well it's not going to suck all the water out of the air i think you would uh i I wouldn't base it on a day-by-day basis i mean whether it's humid or not humid but i think where you use your lava sand you're going to find that you don't have to run that drip system as often but uh that's going to be something you're just going to figure out after you put it down for a couple of weeks oh okay that's one of my things after i get through working on my 97 dodging tripping Okay. Hey, thanks a lot, Bob. It's always a pleasure to talk to you, Bill. I appreciate the call this morning. And, uh, yes, uh, yeah, I, I think it very definitely will decrease uh, decrease your water use. Uh, but, uh, I, you know, we, we're just going to have to play with that and see. Chris, are you still in the control room in there? Because I'm going to try to bring up line number four, and it just doesn't work on this phone. There we've got it. Now I've got Beverly. Good morning, Beverly. Good morning, Bob. Good morning. Uh, I... Uh, how are you this morning? Oh, I'm great. How about you today? <laughs> I'm doing well. Good. Thank you. Very good. Um, yeah, except for my problem of the cut ants, the leaf cutter ants. <laughs> yeah. Um, you told me I lost all my notes from the last time I called and talked to you. And so I was wondering if you could help me figure out how to get rid of these evil things well i tell you if i could figure out a way i'd be a wealthy man because there are a lot smarter people than me trying to get (laughs) rid of these things and what uh, my experience is turning out that just different things work for different people Uh, i know Uh some people have been successful using the wettable sulfur 
And, of course, wettable sulfur works by killing the food supply, the fungus that the ants feed on, but it doesn't work for everyone. Uh, Down at Sandy Oaks Olive Orchard, where they've had a real problem, they came up with a product based on cloves that they found worked very well, and I think they actually sell that product. I I think it's proprietary. I don't know what all they put in it, but you know it's organic if they're using it on their olive trees. And uh, Sandy Oaks has a product that they can offer you that has worked for them. I have recently talked to a number of people uh, that have used the beneficial nematodes and have said that they've drenched the mound with that, and it seems to have eliminated the mound. Uh, I had one caller who said, you know, the cut-ant mounds can have 20 different little openings, and they went around and just uh, put a liberal amount of diatomaceous earth around every opening they could find, and they got rid of the mound that way. But I have yet to find any one thing that works for everybody. So it's almost a checklist. All the things that I've mentioned are inexpensive, especially compared to the damage that the cut-ants do. Um, Mm -hmm. So I would just keep notes... (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> and keep up with your notes yes, as to what yes. you've tried and what works. But um, I can promise you the uh, um, you know the chemical products do not give any better results uh, than the natural things. So don't be don't yeah. be looking for something tox- toxic poison to put out there. But um, uh, exactly, you can because it's all around my fruit trees and and in my garden. Yep. Well, and if you know where I the mound is, yeah, I would I would sure yeah. go for the beneficial nematodes and maybe the sulfur. The okay. one, the well, one thing, and I'm getting um, low on short on time here, but one thing yeah. about fruit trees, you can wrap a piece of plastic wrap or foil around the trunk mm-hmm. of the fruit tree, spread a two inch wide band of the sticky stuff called Tanglefoot, yes, and the cut ants will that. not cross that. Mm-hmm. They will not cross yeah. that. But eliminating the mound, that's the challenge. I've got to find the mound. Yeah. <laughs> well, go out with I'm the flashlight with feeder holes. Sure. Go out with a flashlight at night, and you'll generally be able to find them. The mound is usually recognizable because it will be sort of bare on top, and uh, maybe as much as 15 feet in diameter. It'll be slightly raised, but usually there'll be no vegetation whatsoever on it, and uh, hope that gives you a little help.